welcome back to Bo My God. I'm Bo Bradley, and I'm here thanks to Up Motivations, creating an all-inclusive community for everyone. Welcome back, guys. I'm so happy to be chatting with you on our second episode this week. To recap last week's inaugural episode, my name is Bo. I have a background in public health, human development, family studies, a couple other things, public safety, been a little bit all over, but I recently came out as a non-binary trans-masculine male, and... I just decided that instead of hiding behind a facade for the rest of my life, I wanted to talk about it and bring awareness and visibility because it it literally can save lives. So last week we talked about Marsha Payette No Mind Johnson. This week I promised you we would discuss Sylvia Rivera, so we will get there. But first, what I want to do is read you some statistics. So let's get started. I want to give you some representation so you understand how big the trans community is because, well, first of all, we talk about data reporting in any kind of instance where we're talking about identity. We're talking about people's lives, people's safety, health, and a lot of people don't feel safe being themselves. A lot of people don't understand because they don't have the representation. They don't, I'm 28 and I'm just learning myself. I've Heard stories about people coming out at 60, people coming out in their 40s. So, you know, not everyone knows. So these numbers aren't going to be exactly, exactly accurate. But it's estimated by the United, the United. It's estimated by the Williams Institute at UCLA School of Law that an estimated 0.6% of adults in the United States identify as transgender. So you have to remember, this is grossly underreported because of the reasons I stated a little bit ago. And this gross underreporting is 1.4 million adults in the United States. Let me say that again. 1.4 million adults in the United States identify as transgender. Yeah. That's a big freaking number. So actually, Hawaii, just in case you're curious, is the state that has the highest percentage of transgender adults at 0.8%, and North Dakota has the lowest at 0.3%. Again, we have to recognize that these numbers are going to be skewed for various reasons, but this is what we have. I want to let you guys know I'm going to be as transparent as possible. I want to be as open as possible, as educational as possible. So I will always post all the links to my resources and where I get my information. I want to be very open about that. I want you to know that everything I do is based with actual facts and has been researched and has been double checked and triple checked. And I don't, I want you to know that this is a a place you can come and get accurate information I want to read a little blurb for you about understanding the transgender community from the human rights campaign. Let's see. I just, I think that this says a lot and this is going to be verbatim quote by quote. And I will also put this source in the information, but transgender people come from all walks of life. We are dads and moms, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. We are your coworkers and your neighbors. We are seven-year-old children and 70-year-old grandparents. We are a diverse community representing all racial and ethnic backgrounds, as well as all faith backgrounds. The word transgender, or trans, is an umbrella term for people whose gender identity is different from the sex assigned to us at birth. Although the word transgender and our modern definition of it only came to use in the late 20th century, people who would fit under this definition have existed in every culture throughout recorded history. Despite the increased visibility of transgender celebrities like actress Laverne Cox or writer Janet Mock, many Americans still don't personally know anyone who is transgender. 
that's what I thought until I realized I was transgender. Little caveat. Anyway, the number who do is growing rapidly. A 2016 survey by Greenberg Quinlan Rosner Research, commissioned by the HRC, Human Rights Campaign, 35% of likely voters in the United States personally know or work with someone who is transgender. That is more than double the 17% who answered yes when asked the same question two years prior in 2014. Other research that they have done suggests that there are at least 700,000 transgender people in the United States. We talked about that, again, 1.4 million, but this is just another way where between two different sites, two different well-documented research sites got very different numbers of the amount of transgender people in the United States. Both are, es excuse me, both are estimates based on data, both are estimates based on statistics. We have to, again, remember that transgender individuals are grossly understudied, they are grossly misrepresented, and a lot of times they don't always feel comfortable, safe, or even aware enough to share how they identify. So challenges that the transgender community faces, let's just hit on a few big ones. The first one, very honestly and openly, the stigma, discrimination, like systematic inequality. Let's be real. This is all just like a lot of us are afraid to just speak up and say who they are because rejection is real. Hatred is real. Hate crimes are real. It's scary. We have lack of legal protections. We just recently in 2020 became covered under employment law in the United States, that we could actually get jobs. It took until 2020 that our employment was covered. Who turns down people wanting to work? Like people that wanna come in and make the economy grow, wanna make things happen here for us in our country and our people. And we're saying no, because how they identify, what the hell does that have to do with you? I don't know. Poverty. So many transgender individuals actually live in poverty. A study found that 15% of residents, wow, a study done by the National Transgender Discrimination Survey found that 15% of responders were living in severe poverty. This is making less than $10,000 a year, 15%. That rate is higher in Black and Latina populations, Let's see, it's 34 for Black and 28% for Latino, Latino respondents. A total household income. We're not talking about one person making less than 10000 We're talking about a household, a family, a couple, any number of people, $10,000 or less a year. That's awful. That's awful. Harassment and stigma, we touched this one. How about anti-transgender violence? We, we read the names of all of the people who who have been murdered in 2020 alone, just gender non-conforming and transgender individuals. And this year, we've been locked in our houses, self-quarantined. Granted, a lot of these transgender individuals don't have homes. They're homeless. They're poor, right? We talked about how a lot of us have poverty issues. I've, I was born, well, my story's different. I was adopted at birth. I lived in a middle-class suburban family, and I moved out when I turned 18, and I have been in a poverty barrier for years since. Let's see, 2019 is the first year we really found a, a secure place. We've shopped groceries from the dollar store. We've gone hungry. There's times when I lived in Florida that I didn't eat for weeks so that I could feed my cats. Like, I lived off soup. I lived off potatoes. 
you do what you have to do. And I haven't even had it bad. I will say I've had it tough. I have not had it bad. People have had it so much worse than me for so much longer. And that was before I even knew I was transgender. So thankfully now I have a job and an apartment and a wife and all of these things that so many people don't have. I'm so grateful for my blessings. It's, we have barriers to healthcare. Sorry, I got off track. That's another thing transgender individuals face. The disparities in healthcare along transgender people are just, there's no data that can even speak to this. This is just something that we have to talk based off personal experiences. Identity documents, legal rights. Let's talk about how a lot of times our IDs don't even match us. We can't even sit there and get into a place that you're required, say, to vote or to get into for help because we don't look like who we say we are. We're of a different gender than our, or a different sex than is recorded on our license. Excuse me. It's just, these things are awful and they're nonstop. Why are we facing these issues? These are the things we're going to start talking about and the things we're going to find out how to fix, right, together because... There's, there's nothing left after us. There's, there's, after us is our children, after our children comes their children, and on and on. And what are we doing if we're passing on this legacy to them that we don't care, right? I mean, I technically fall into millennial. Millennials have gotten it bad. Gen Z has gotten it bad. We've all heard how terrible we are. But, right, let's be real. We're out here trying to make things better. We're out here making a change. I didn't know if I wanted to jump into social media and podcasts and all of this because I'm so self-conscious, but let's be real. This is where differences are being made. This is our generation's way of stepping up and making our voices heard and making people hear what we have to say. And what better way to get the transgender community heard than to hear from transgender individuals. So that is definitely something I look forward to doing on this podcast is bringing in guests and voices not just transgender, but from across the queer community. So next week in our third episode, maybe we'll have a guest. We'll see how that goes. So one of my favorite parts about quarantine, as weird as that sounds to say, is that I feel like everyone's kind of been doing a lot of learning and growing. And if you're listening to this right now, you're definitely a part of that. And I commend you because it's it's not easy to change. It's not easy to learn. It's not easy to open yourself up to ideas and things that you're not comfortable with or used to or or have been exposed to in the past. It's new things are scary. And right now there's a lot of scary going on. So I do really appreciate that you're you're here listening. And on that note, let's get back to what I promised, which is talking about Sylvia Rivera. So like last week, I would like to open this part with a quote. This quote is actually one that I used in my coming out story to my parents. Um, one, it just, it, I saw it and it just, I don't know what happened, but something clicked in me and I was just like, well, here, let me read the quote and then we'll get into that. So the quote goes, we have to be visible. We shouldn't be ashamed of who we are. We have to show the world that we are numerous. There are many of us out there. And I don't know what it was about that, but it just, it slapped me across the face, to be quite frank. It just, it was kind of like, you see all these people you love and care about out there advocating for themselves, and you're sitting here advocating for them, and and they can't 
hide. They can't change the color of their skin. They can't change where they come from. They can't, all these different things that people are getting persecuted for, they can't hide. And while I openly have been queer for a very long time at this point, that's where I'm at in my life. And I'm in this position of trying to just be more open and visible. It's just like how... How could I advocate for others and how could I encourage my friends to advocate for themselves and how could I be there for them when I'm not doing what I can? And why am I hiding? Like, what does that say about who I am as a person? To be honest, I didn't understand at first. I didn't always know. So it's not like I've been hiding for a long time. So I I get how I guess I kind of threw myself to the wolves. But at the same point, like... Like Sylvia said, we we have to show the world that we are numerous. Without visibility, without without people showing up, without people spreading the word, without pictures and documentaries and imagery and everything, how how are people supposed to to know how normal this is? How are we supposed to know that there are other people like us? How are we supposed to know we're not alone? How many insecurities do we all hold inside where we feel like it's such the weight of the world because there's no one like us? This is, there are, there are. Like RPJ, Sylvia was a lifelong advocate for her community, for the trans community, the Latinx community, for the Bronx. She, unlike MPJ, she was born in the Bronx. She lived and died New York. Unfortunately, she was orphaned at a young age. That was one of the adversities that she had to face. She was uh, abandoned by her father, and then her mother tragically took her own life, unfortunately, which led to Sylvia being taken in by her grandmother. And her grandmother was a strong woman. She beat and took out all of this bias and and hate and anger on Sylvia and Sylvia ended up leaving home at 10 years old at 10 years old Sylvia Rivera was living on the streets working as a sex worker near Times Square to survive because Sylvia wasn't a typical assigned male at birth child 10 years old could you imagine losing your father losing your mother and then losing everything else before you even hit puberty because of who you are. I find that to be one of the reasons that Sylvia was so heroic and such a, she just, she fought tirelessly for transgender rights up until her death. She, in her childhood, she shaved her eyebrows. She wore makeup to school. As early as fourth grade, she was just herself. She lobbied and protested for legislation. She fought against gender discrimination practices. She fought against cities and organizations to find safe spaces for queer homeless youth. She spoke loudly and proudly as a powerful speaker at rallies outside of government buildings in communities around the world. She was globally recognized as the advocate that she was. She also lived through more adversity of police brutality, routinely receiving beatings and getting jumped for her identity. At one point, Sylvia served time on Rikers Island. And while she was there, she was cordoned off with other, quote, 
perpetrators of gay crimes. Despite this, Sylvia is the only transgender individual to have their portrait hanging in the Smithsonian. Her and MPJ founded STAR, the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, in 1970, which created a home for transgender homeless youth. Her legacy continues to live on through the Sylvia Rivera Law Project that provides access to social services, health services, public education, and legal services for trans, intersex, and gender nonconforming individuals, while also teaching them how to engage politically, building leadership and organizing committees, and empowering them to take actions to advocate for themselves. Sylvia was known for another quote that I want to share with you because it's this one cracks me up too. Sylvia was very feisty. If you have seen, there's a documentary on Netflix. I know I've been talking about Netflix documentaries a lot, but in quarantine, that has kind of been my life. So it is what it is. But the there's a documentary on Marsha P. Johnson, who we talked about last week, sorry, two weeks ago. And Sylvia is portrayed throughout that documentary as well and I just I think that that is a great a great place to start and look for that so the quote goes I've been given credit for throwing the first Molotov cocktail by many historians she's talking about the Stonewall uprising the riots at in 1969 New York City at the Stonewall Inn the quote continues but I I always like to correct it I threw the second one I did not throw the first one this just, I feel like this just like shows her spunk and her personality. And to give you even more background, Sylvia was 17 when the Stonewall, up, Stonewall Uprising happened. She was not, again, she'd been living on the streets for seven years. And here she was still tirelessly advocating for herself and her community. The documentary on Netflix that I was just discussing is called The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. Unfortunately, Sylvia, like many transgender individuals, struggled with a lifetime of alcohol and substance abuse, especially living on the streets and going through the daily struggles of sex work from a very, very young age and the tragedy of losing her family and her parents. And she also lost her life at the age of 50, which unfortunately was due to a terrible bout with cancer. And that was on February 19th of 2002. So thanks for listening a little bit about Sylvia. I know that kind of brought the mood down a little bit, but it this it's important for us to know where we came from, for everyone to kind of relearn the unbiased history of where they come from. And trans and gender nonconforming people and non-binary people such as myself are no exception to that. And how are we going to make sure that we get the word out if everyone doesn't know? Like, this should be common knowledge for all of us. I think that we have a long way to go as far as education and research in this department, but that is also a topic for another day. So on that note, thank you so much for tuning in to our second podcast this week. Thanks again to Up Motivations. Just a reminder to subscribe and follow along. Leave us a review rating. That would be great. Thank you very much. You can find us on Instagram at up underscore motivations. You can find me at Bo Brads, B-E-A-U-B-R-A-D-S. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. So thanks again for listening, everyone.
Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.